You're listening to Tabletop Arcanum, a podcast dedicated to learning and exploring the hobby of tabletop gaming. Your hosts are Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, so sit back and relax as we talk, discuss, and joke our way through the hobby we love so much. Welcome to Tabletop Arcanum. Today we're going to be going over the Gamma Trade Show, brought to you by the Game Manufacturers Association. Uh, Of course, it's me, Ricky. I'm here with... Justin. And joining us today is... Tony. Uh, Tony and I were sent from our local gaming store, Lindsay Gamer Garrison, and we went to Gamma this week. Oh, he's going to be so happy we actually used their name. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, considering he help pay for the you know room and got mm. his tickets in there it kind of helps yeah to, to acknowledge our our gratitude yeah went to gamma that was um a whole lot of fun in reno i've never been to reno was it the biggest little town or something like that that's their catchphrase yeah how, um how little of a town was it and how big did it feel it was little in all the wrong places let's <laughs> put it that way <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what the neighborhoods were like. So yeah, yeah, they're getting a Panda Express soon. Mm-hmm. Well, things are really coming up, <laughs> Reno. Yeah, it was a topic of discussion at the little local Kinko's FedEx. So <laughs> it was. <laughs> yeah. I and I wish I was making this up, but I know that was uh, a hot topic of the FedEx. <laughs> but we wouldn't have known it if Justin weren't eavesdropping on other people's conversations. So she was standing next to me. <laughs> Yeah, but you had to remind me that that's what she said because I wasn't listening. I was doing the politically correct thing and trying to figure out how to ship all the stuff that we got. Back. Yeah, no, trying to stuff a box filled with more stuff than we could fit. So yeah, let's start with the roll recap. Talk about what we've been playing since the last episode. Uh, then we'll get a little bit of introduction to Tony and then. Ricky, you've got questions about Gamma. Well, I've got news, too. I mean, don't forget, stuff is still happening. Things were announced, all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, a lot of stuff happened at Gamma, too. Well, there was also the New York Toy Fair, which, I mean, gave us all kinds of fun new little things that I'm probably not going to go over, but I do have one that I want to talk about. Okay. Roll recap. All I've done, I've been stuck away from my house due to multiple car problems yeah, and traveling. So I just played a lot of Arkham Horror in my hotel room out in Salt Lake City when I was out for training. Nice. So, yeah. Getting the feel for the game now and and feeling good about it. Oh, yeah. Thoroughly enjoying it. Excellent. Yeah, my role recap is pretty light. If we uh, don't count all the random demos and things that we played at uh, Gamma itself, besides that, uh, we've messed around with uh, Call to Adventure, and we messed around with um, Tiny Tiny Epic Galaxies, and hosted a store championship at Lindsay Gamer Garrison uh, this past weekend. So that was uh, ten players. We did four rounds of Swiss. A lot of fun for most people. And unfortunately, not everybody had all the fun. But you have winners and losers in tournaments, and that's what happens. Uh, I didn't play, I just ran it, and then afterwards we kind of hung around and played a uh, game of Disney's Villainous. How is that? I still really want to play that. I've got better feelings on it now. Um, Once you play with people who actually kind of know what's going on, the turns take a little bit faster compared to the first time I played with six players and had to teach it to everybody. That sounds rough. And the attention span was rough. Uh, the new ex- the, the new expansion characters are kind of neat. I got to play Hades, and uh, Dr. Facilier mm-hmm. was also out. So Very cool. got to play some of the new stuff, too, which was interesting. But, yeah, that's really my role recap. You know, nice light week because I was out doing seminars and things at Gamma mm. for most of my uh, week. Let's bring it around and talk uh, about Tony here, who is guest, uh, our first ever guest on the show. Hi. Hi, Tony. Thanks for having me. Um, Long-time so listener. <laughs> <laughs> true um so tony uh how long have you been in the gaming hobby uh well i guess it depends on when you want to call it but um i think the definitive moment when i went from going to the game of life and monopoly to actual gaming was when i was in fourth grade 
which is for those of you who can't see me, uh, probably about 25 years ago. Something, no, even longer than that. Oh, it was a while. Uh, but I picked up my very first copy of Axis and Allies from my local AFES when I was in Germany. So, um, so bringing that home, seeing all the little figures, and then actually learning the rules to play it and everything like that. Um, that was probably my first uh, real serious game that I picked up and, and I never looked back. So as soon as I turned 16, my first job was in a hobby store. I got to uh, take part um, back when the magic craze was just starting and a bit crazy in a small town. So uh, getting product was almost impossible until everybody got product. Uh, Fallen Empires was not uh, the best-selling magic expansion out there. No, I have. Or maybe it was the best-selling for... Uh, you know, uh, magic at that time, but not for the stores that were carrying it. <laughs> yeah, I, I have weird memories of Ice Age specifically, mm-hmm. which was right around that same era. Yeah, and I, I couldn't invest as much in the magic uh, community as my friends could because I also at that time picked up uh, Warhammer 40K and what was called Warhammer Fantasy, now Age of Sigmar. So, so I've been gaming, trying just about every game that comes out. And enjoying them, so I uh, I play a little bit of everything. So okay, any particular favorite that? Uh, yeah, I'd either just, a soft spot in your heart or just won't go away. I have a few um, that I like to play. Um, Fury of Dracula is a blast to play with any group of people, uh, especially since playing as Dracula, I am uh, undefeated, and uh, I really really turn up the screws on uh, people when they're sitting there, you know, arguing and getting really close to knowing my location until I give just a slight nudge and then they all go awry and, and go the wrong way. So that one's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I do enjoy uh, the tabletop war games as well. So Warhammer 40K I've been playing off and on for uh, most of my gaming life. So uh, that's another one that's really good. Yeah, I actually remember one of those specific uh, Fury of Dracula stories you told me once where it was because you have all the the cards that you places you have been and they're either land or sea and like clearly you were not in sea but you had to check mm. like maybe I'm here yeah <laughs> and the entire table was like what are you doing like I don't I don't know yeah and then there was the time when I did that with the full board and you look at each card and you gently put it down and you don't want to give away any information so you, you look at each card even though they they may have found your spot but during that I also had on my iPad the music program I used that allowed me to play the uh, Toccato and Fugue. So I was sitting there playing that while I was doing that, and they were just looking at me like I was an idiot, but <laughs> uh, I still won, so, you know. Right. <laughs> um, and then I guess my last introduction question for you would be then, what have you been playing recently? What's the the most Bes- recent things you've been doing? Besides a lot of the things that we shared because we were at the uh, Gamma Convention together, um, one thing I think you forgot to mention was our Game of Thrones game. We met. We played the big. Uh, was it five players? We ended up with uh, six. Six. It was a six-player right. game of the Game of Thrones board game uh, with the new Mother of Dragons expansion, um, which was a lot of fun. Um, it definitely was an interesting game, um, and we had some interesting plays. A lot of the players that we had with us were pretty competitive, so it was great to see mm-hmm. uh, the game played out with uh, without somebody who was uh, just sitting there twiddling their thumbs or getting easily distracted. So. Although we were driving it pretty quick because we did want the game to end within the same day that we started it. So. And we pretty much pulled that off. Yeah. No, it was so. pretty good. There was some tension uh, just because, you know, we were we were driving hard. We were like, all right, everyone focus. Stop. And my first time playing the second edition, which uh, having played the first edition uh, extensively, it was a, a nice change. And I like a lot of the, the elements and learning that they've they put into the new version. So. Right. Even though it's not really that new anymore, <laughs> no. But uh, with the Mother of Dragons, it did. Um, I personally like the fealty, where all eight, depending on the number of players and if Targaryen is picked or not, you're looking at pretty much all houses that are available or out there on the board. Yeah. Don't really have those generic neutral tokens anymore, which it makes the game look a little bit more impressive and play a little bit more interestingly. So I enjoyed that too. Yeah. That was great. And then the uh, only other game that we've been playing pretty extensively is a game called Thunderstone Quest Ooh. by AEG. Um, deck building game, but uh, with a, a quest element to it so that you have a ton of different options. I think the base game with the expansions and stuff, if you had gotten the Kickstarter, was 
over a thousand plus cards. Um, at, um, even more than that, actually, I'm trying to remember, but it was quite a lot. And so, uh, you know, finally getting that to hit the table and play through, uh, my friends were a little iffy and they're like, no, I'm not quite so sure. But once they started getting into it, they really loved the way it, way it goes, comes together and everything. So that was quite fun. Good. That's that. Uh, Ricky, you've got some questions about Gamma. So I still have news, Justin. Let oh, me talk I'm... about the news. He looks excited for those of you at, listening at home. I'm starting to take a more serious role with the news. <laughs> it, I know. <laughs> so go um, for it because most of my news comes out of Gamma. So. Yeah, some of the stuff. Well, we both talked um, about Talisman, how now the IP floodgates are opening up. They announced the Kingdom Hearts since then. I don't know if it was officially announced, um, but they had a picture with Batman Talisman. I've seen the board. You've seen the board? Okay, well. They had it out of Gamma. Well, then it's officially been announced. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that one's coming. Yeah. They're also making a Die Hard game, not Talisman related, but Die Hard. I want to know more about that later on. I have no information. They literally had a prototype out there and were very, like, no pictures, no pictures. But the board was the top level of the Nakatomi Plaza. So yeah, you can that's about all we got. Simulate some gunfights on there. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It'll be uh, a Christmas favorite. <laughs> <laughs> we got a, uh, out of the New York Toys Fair, we got... Chewbacca pop it. It's the only thing I really want to bring up. Only because you got to let that Wookiee win, man. Like, <laughs> there's no winning that game. So, like, scratch it, shave it. <laughs> I, what are we doing to Chewbacca's bop it? I, I, do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to twist it. <laughs> Pull it. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Disarm it. That's how they're going to say it. You can do it however you like. <laughs> Yeesh. Um, but then we, we got a, uh, Renegade, uh, game studio is coming out with a sequel to Lanterns, which, Mm -hmm. uh, for those who are not familiar, fantastic game came out in, uh, 2015 tile laying game, very just fun, easy, quick. Um, I didn't get too much information on it, but it's a, um, roll and write game and it continues the story from the original one. So. The other one I did see, I'm a little hyped about. I don't know if I should be hyped about it, but uh, Judge Dre- uh, Judge Dread Helter Skelter um, by Osprey Games. Um, it's essentially um, it's based on uh, Martin Wallace's uh, Wetlands gameplay. It's going to be its own standalone game. You can't mix everything, but but it's going to be a standalone. Uh, each player controls a faction with special abilities, so on and so forth, just like Wetlands before. Yeah. So. That's exciting. Yeah. So now I got some ga- questions about Gamma, Justin. Oh, okay. We can we can talk about Gamma now. Yeah. So what is a Gamma? I repeat back, what is an asthma day? Because <laughs> that was a question that apparently kept coming up during Gamma. It's like uh, anytime they came up, they're like, the first question we always get is, what's an asthma day? I'm like, really? That's the first question? Okay. <laughs> Uh, Gamma is a trade show uh, for uh, manufacturers, retailers uh, in the gaming industry. So it happens once a year in Reno during their uh, in the casino itself. And they have different ballrooms and stuff sanctioned off for things like seminars, um, events. Then they'll do like game nights where people are showing stuff off, demoing, getting the hype uh, and and interest out there. And then they'll do, um, they hosted like some other tournaments, like there was a uh, Shadespire tournament, there was a Keyforge tournament that people could play. But yeah, essentially you, as a Gamma member, you get access to that trade show as well as all the other resources. So it's a big networking uh, show for people. Excellent. What should you expect from any of like the presentations if you were working for, or if you were game shop owner or uh, anyone who's in the Game Manufacturers Association? Well, um, one of the things you'll see at the show is uh, a variety of things. Because it is obviously being sponsored, um, that's where the cost of the show is being paid, you're going to have your usual uh, time with manufacturers where they're going to basically present to the retailers their, their spiel, their thing, their, what they want you to focus on with their products. 
So that's a part of it. But the other part of it, the part that uh, we found extremely informative was the retailers talking to retailers portions where they came up with ideas that they feel would be beneficial to teach these retailers. So you have people with years of experience, stores that have been open for years or that are just performing extremely well, creating seminars that they feel would appeal to uh, fellow retailers, stuff that they need to learn or want to learn in order to make their store better, make their community stronger, things like that. So so those are a couple of the elements. And then, of course, you're going to have your, your grand presentations and such uh, where they basically want to give you the uh, information on what's coming up and why you should be excited and things like that. So, Did you uh, did they tell you anything that you should be excited about that you're excited about? There's a few things. There's quite a number of things, actually, uh, that we were pretty excited about. Some mm-hmm. things that we had excitement about before we got there, but seeing the actual product was one of those things where it was simultaneously great and a relief because you're like, well, they got this franchise um, and we weren't sure what they were going to do with it. Um, for instance, Gale Force 9 has the Aliens franchise and they had a board game announced. I saw the advertisements and it was just a simple one page mock up of the box and that's it. So we're like, all right, is this going to be good? And from what I've seen, I'm, uh, I'm impressed. I think they're doing the right things with it. I think it's going to be an exciting game and Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the franchise, so just being able to confirm that with my own eyes is definitely a big plus. Excellent. Yeah. Um, with Nemesis being the not Alien franchise game, but kind of feels like the original Alien movie where you're, mm. there's a lot more suspense of what's going on, um, their game is going to be more focused on like the action of Aliens and more you're playing the Marines, you're killing the, the Xenomorphs and stuff like that. Um, the other cool thing that uh, during that seminar we learned is that they are doing only two expansions planned for it, and that's it. So it's going to be relatively simple. Like, the game will have a finished box because you get Mm -hmm. about half the Marine team in the box, and then one of the expansions is the rest of the Marines that don't come in the box. And the other one's going to be Ripley versus the Queen. So you can do, like, the final... uh, That's cool. uh, The final battle, and I think a couple other versions of any time Ripley and the Queen kind of duked it out in some capacity. So, yeah, that was a good franchise. Um, also from Gale Force 9, they talked a little bit about the fact that they are managing the Dune franchise from Frank Herbert's estate. Oh. Um, they're going to be uh, redoing the Dune board game, modernizing it a little bit, but primarily trying to bring it back so that it's back in print and people are excited about it all over again. That's awesome. Um, so... With your badges, I saw they had four levels of badges, retailers, manufacturers, designers, and distributors. You both had uh, the retailers. Did you feel limited by your badge at all uh, going there? I know they had certain events that were geared towards certain people within the community uh, as a retailer going. Was there stuff that you couldn't do that you wanted to do or... Uh, I didn't really feel limited. It was a lot of events, and they had broken them down based on who would get the best value out of them. But in a lot of the rooms we were in that were supposedly just retailers, uh, we did have uh, you know um, distributors there. We did have uh, mm-hmm. game manufacturers there as well, so they sat in on some of them as well just to see what we're seeing and, and get a feel for, for what we're doing on our side of the business. So. Right. Okay. There was a little cross-pollination around uh, the different seminars, but they did – um, during the schedule, make it very clear like these are going to be very designer focused or these are very distribution mm-hmm. channel focused, but nothing was really blocked off for anyone. Um, the only time is I think like they had at the the non retailers had different dinners areas, mm-hmm. and they probably had different presenters during their their sponsored dinners, and that's about it. Okay, so, so they provided dinner and they had people just up there talking during. Mm-hmm. Dinner. Okay. Yeah, that's actually a standard of any uh, trade show. If uh, any of the listeners out there have ever been to them, a standard fair, you're going to have your overall presenters, um, sponsors are going to get up and stage and give you their spiel, um, try and sell what they're they're offering, um, you know, and then you're you're sitting and eating a meal while you're listening to that, and then of course you have your your actual uh, sponsored rooms that you have to go to to learn and do it and everything like that and they provide incentives for going or they punish you if you don't go depending on your particular trade show um so yeah it's it's very similar uh with the number of trade shows i've been to for different companies it's very similar in how it's run so all right yep um and then uh what events did you both enjoy 
both enjoy. Um, I well, have, I mean, yeah. what you enjoyed, and then, uh, Justin, you go first. You tell me what you enjoyed, and then, Tony, tell me which ones you enjoyed. So, oh, man. There's a lot of fun stuff that kind of happened. Some of the seminars were very enjoyable. I actually really like sitting in, in on the uh, Pazio's second, uh, Pathfinder 2nd Edition seminar mm-hmm. and getting a lot more download of what's changed, what's working, what's not working, and how they're setting up 2nd Edition for later this fall as a release because they've been doing the playtesting since last Gen Con. Mm. And this Gen Con, they're going to launch it. So um, kind of like 5th Edition Dungeons & Dragons. They they kind of done pub, the public taste test. They got a lot of feedback. Some of it was not very kind feedback, but mm-hmm. in that sense, um, it was a really good positive thing that they learned from people and went, yes, this is good. We need to fix this, drop that mechanic, whatever. And I'm definitely going to be talking about that later this year as those start coming out because I'm pretty excited for Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Not some, something I was already kind of aware of that was um, another good one was the Asmodee Studios seminar. It was one of those more sponsored ones that we had kind of mm-hmm. like, you're going, right? Se- seminars. Um, and they went over essentially like 12 or 14 of the different studios that belong to them. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Catan Studios, Days of Wonder, Fantasy Flight. And then what they did is they kind of broke into a little bit of which one's do what and kind of their focus because mm-hmm. Days of Wonder is very more casual and gateway style game focus where Fantasy Flight is a lot more narrative story heavier games for the most part so while they have all these different companies they all kind of fill different points of the industry um, and of course they announced some of the new ones including the fact that Kaman uh, or Kuminian or not is now part of the Asmodee mm-hmm. distribution channel so um, from a consumer standpoint, you shouldn't really notice any difference. Um, the retailers are really going to be the ones that have to kind of shift where they're ordering from and what distribution channels they're using to get those games. But overall, I think it's going to be more of a positive experience because now um, if Kaman is out of a thing or the distribution channel is out of a thing, you're not trying to hunt it or from like your four or five different distributors anymore mm. it's you know either they have it or they don't and that's the end of the story so fair enough uh tony yeah so uh there were a variety of different types of events and there were quite a number that were enjoyable um we had a particular event where they talked about events at the store level and uh how a lot of people are undervaluing these events and as such it's hurting uh, your local game store and it was great to to see the math of that, to see that, you know, a lot of these game stores that end up closing their doors are doing it because they're doing these events and they're just losing money hand over fist and creating an unnecessary expectation uh, in the in the industry. So that makes it very hard for these stores to sustain the kind of events that uh, that people start expecting. Right. So it was a great presentation, a couple of good presenters there, uh, one of who's a member of the board and uh, awesome guy, high energy fantastic mm. out of denver so uh that was a great presentation to see but then we had other events um i met uh the guys from cubicle seven who do a lot of role-playing games um a couple that people may have heard of are the warhammer fantasy role-playing they just put out the new fourth edition of that um they also put right. out the uh or well they're putting out the age of sigmar book so there will be one based on the new franchise from uh mm. Um, Games Workshop, and then of course they've got uh, the uh, Lord of the Rings franchises, uh, Adventures of Middle Earth, which is which is the fifth edition rules for Lord of the Rings, which has uh, been a, a great seller for them, and then the uh, the One Ring. Um, so listening to them talk, listening to the passion they have for the product, uh, especially the Warhammer Fourth Edition, because right. uh, these guys have been uh, writing slash playing in it since the first edition came out. And uh, they're pretty passionate about it, and they're doing some really good things with their starter set. So if people are interested in uh, checking out that game, that's a great entry point, which uh, we later did later that night. Um, Because of their presentation, I convinced Justin to come with me to to sit down at the table. Um, We got to sit down with Tim from Cubicle 7, and he basically ran the game for us with a a bunch of other people, and uh, we enjoyed it thoroughly. It was a lot of fun. Craziness happened. some of it probably isn't safe to say here uh, just because of the violence that we decided to go for. Yeah, <laughs> Tim did a very good job of GMing it. And the first thing he did after like everybody, like, okay, these are the players that I got on my table. 
what's your tolerance level for gore, violence, and other things? Because we are playing in the Warhammer universe. It's not a pretty universe. I just want to know everybody's comfort level. And pretty much the entire table color looked around like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Do you know? Describe mm-hmm. and go as gory as you want. None of us are going to give flinch. us some hyper violence. Let's do this. Um, but that was actually a fun table to sit at because we had um, people from other RPG groups, mm-hmm. uh, companies sitting with the table. We had uh, a guy who had never really role played before mm-hmm. uh, sitting down with us. And then, like, um, other industry professionals. And it was interesting because, like, Tony and I were, like, the retailer side of things. And then we had developers and other people in the industry. And so it was a weird combination, melting pot of people coming together to play that game. And it was just a ton of fun. So much so that uh, they pretty much had to push us out of the room at the end because we just kept playing. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, we really had a, a chemistry for a bunch of strangers getting together. We had a chemistry that... Um, that worked really well, and and the game s- sounds like a fun system. So I've been digging through it, and I'm mm-hmm. um, looking forward to probably running some games in that system in the future. So, uh, yeah, that was um, speaking of things that we did jointly that both enjoyed. That was one of them, and then the other one would be the uh, Mono Mono Studios Game Studio Mono Game Studios slash Restoration Game Seminar that we went to too. So that one was a special event that they were running to talk about their new unmatched game uh which is based off the star wars duels game mm, yeah uh, that they're bringing essentially they're bringing back that mechanic and then because they don't have the star wars ip taking that off of it and putting <laughs> things like it's uh, the main box is gonna be king arthur versus alice from alice in wonderland versus sinbad versus medusa so you get all four of those in the main box and then mm-hmm. they have a two-player box that you can also get robin hood versus bigfoot are we talking like Sinbad the Comedian? Because I'm all about this right now. It's an important distinction I've had to make several times. Uh, it is not Sinbad the Comedian, but rather Sinbad from the Legends. Missed Fair. opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> not necessarily. That could Future be a expansion. great promo. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, and one thing that they were talking about is one of the first promos is uh, the head of Restoration Games um, is a huge Bruce Lee fan. So, mm. of course, they're making Bruce Lee... Nice. As a standalone character. And the, the beautiful thing about it is with the th- characters I've already mentioned, we're talking Bruce Lee, a actual human being that existed in Earth with Bigfoot, who might exist. He definitely exists. Medusa, who, you know, maybe. And then, you know, characters of, of, of literally fiction like Alice in Wonderland and the Jabberwocky. So, and you literally, you pick whatever character you want play on multiple different boards that are all themed for the different characters and just have at it. A um, lot of fun, plays quickly too. Mm-hmm. And all everyone's very unique too. Yeah, and the interesting thing is because of the way that they're designing it, every set that you get, other than maybe the Bruce Lee promo, will come with everything you need to play because you'll get a two-player board that you can play with the Robin Hood and Bigfoot expansion or you'll get a four-player board that you can play with the uh, the the primary core set, mm-hmm. um, and then of course they've got a lot of plans for the future for it as well because they're as excited as as we were after we played it. Um, yeah, so they're literally calling it like uh, Heroes of Legend Volume One, with the anticipation of there will be more volumes to come afterwards. Um, the art is probably the thing that blew me the way the most on the character arc. Arc that decks, was the important thing with the uh, which is where Mondo Studios comes in exactly. Uh, so. so great art, um, all the same artists. So it has a theme to it. Uh, this artist has a really impactful um, and action-packed uh, um, art that makes it really kinetic. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. So really kinetic artwork, and then uh, they're not just sticking with the lands of lore and of course Bruce Lee. But what's the next expansion they're coming out with? Do you remember? Um, yes, so they announced that they are going to do a Buffy expansion afterwards, so you're going to play in the Buffy universe, and you can have Buffy versus Bigfoot now, yep. or Buffy versus Bruce Lee. And if I really want Giles versus, like, something. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see who they choose for the characters on that, and he was so excited, he was like, you know, and eventually, you know, we're probably going to do Dracula, so you can have Buffy versus the original vampire, so. Right, uh, like you know. Monsters of Legend, things like that. Like, the possibility with the system is just kind of open, yeah. um, and that's what I think is really exciting about it. Mondo Studios, and, and then the partnership kind of goes back ways, uh, so Mondo's really good for movie poster art and things of that nature. Mm. 
Um, so they are starting their game studio now, and they're going to be making games. So Restoration Game is kind of <laughs> helping them out in that aspect too. And we'll we saw some interesting things, but um, can't talk about them quite yet. And I'm going to be in trying to reach out to Mondo Studios and see uh, if we can get some. Uh, at least uh, a green light to start talking about it whenever we can or mm. see what sort of information we can kind of get as uh, as it comes out because it should be this summer and this fall. I'm really excited um, to see what they're going to be doing with their stuff because yeah. it so sounds like they've got some good ideas. Stay tuned for additional details on that because yeah. that's going to be exciting for a lot of people. Sure. So that was the big stuff that we, that we shared. I think both of us walked away and just were like, this is awesome. Nice. Uh, were there any kind of, you know, the Mondo games, anything that came out of the left field you guys didn't see coming that blew you away? I believe the big one was the announcement from Come On, which is uh, how they prefer their name to be uh, used, uh, Cool Mini or not. Yeah. Uh, it's not, it stands for Cool Mini, not, <coughs> it's not Simon, as pretty much everywhere in the world used and themselves as and well. themselves even um, but now they're uh, kind of rebranding to come on yeah but them going with uh um, the exclusive um through basically one distributor now because of their uh, association with asmodee uh that was a pretty unexpected thing um so that was a, an interesting announcement and from a retailer side it's probably a more exciting than not because um, for some of their products, finding that product at the various distributors can become quite a pain, especially uh, when you're hunting it down. So having a, a source of truth and a single uh, distributor, uh, being able to tell you whether you can get it or you can't get it is a huge thing. So um, so that was a pretty much uh, an unexpected uh, twist that mm -hmm. we had there. Um, GW uh, Games Workshop had their announcements. We knew that they were going to announce something because almost every gamma they have something that they, they show mm. off and tout. They had like record setting growth last year, which is it, almost the exact same thing they said last year. Mm. Um, so the company is very healthy and doing very well, and Age of Sigmar is doing them very good things. Um, so they have the new forgotten lore that they're announcing for Age of Sigmar, which is still kind of a mystery of what that is going to truly entail. Mm. The only thing they've really come out and said, it is not another Stormcast Eternal Vault, <laughs> despite the video looks like it is. Yeah, it's going to be related to magic for all factions, is uh, what it said on the Warhammer community page after uh, after the announcement mm -hmm. at Gamma. So definitely something to look forward to if you're in that... Uh, into that uh, genre. So. I'm, th I'm thinking it's going to be something like the uh, Endless Spells. Mm -hmm. It's kind of another magic-based add-on that you can mm. mix into your games. And and we'll see. Maybe it's like Dark Chaos Magic stuff that everybody gets access to. And then you get Corruption and Taint. Yeah. Um, it was some interesting stuff. Out of one of the seminars I went to it was the ICV2, which is the uh, industry uh, data Giants, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. I don't know how to describe them, but yeah. Basically, they do all sorts of polling and data crunching to come up with lists, uh, top 10 RPGs, things like that. And there was a few surprises. A really strong performer last year was the uh, Lord, no, sorry, Legend of the Five Rings uh, RPG, mm -hmm. was actually in the top five, um, which was a surprise to see. Um, so there was some interesting data that came out of that that, uh, that, you know, it's different when you're in a certain area and you see a certain trend in your area that doesn't necessarily reflect what's happening in the rest of the world. So, right. Um, so it was it was pretty interesting to see that, and uh, in that presentation had a lot of interesting data that um, I can't wait till they actually release it all online because they had just gotten the data a few days before, and they said they were going to percolate on it and just make sure that it's uh, data that they can trust and put out there in the public. So, um, so keep your eye on that if that's stuff that. Uh, that mm -hmm. drives you because that, that's some pretty interesting and cool information there. Um, one that I was, I'm a little torn on personally, I'm not exactly sure, I think it's both good and bad, is um, the Unlocked game series is changing up how they're selling it. Right now, three scenarios come out and they're three small boxes mm -hmm. at a time and like each wave is like another set of three boxes. So going forward, they're going to actually put all of the, like the three scenarios that would come separately into just one box so you buy all three at once every time 
Mm. And a little bit easier to store, a little bit easier not to have to hunt down. Mm. Um, but maybe you don't want to buy three at once is the only thing that I was like a little bit off. And then uh, Time Stories Revolution is coming up, which mm. was an interesting one because uh, right now with Time Stories, you buy the core box and then every little subsequent back you need that core box to have. Um, Revelations kind of is a refresher on the game and then what they're going to be doing is each box is almost more self-contained where you don't have to have it's not going to be as reliant on a prior Mm. purchase anymore Mm. which will help people get back into the game yeah so and then uh something i guess a little more out of left field is uh whiz kids had an announcement during one of the meals um that looked pretty interesting they call them warlock tiles and a lot of, uh, if, if you've ever been to any major gaming convention or you may have seen it online, uh, there's these dungeon tiles that people make that are fully painted and just really good mm-hmm. quality that you can put together and make your own dungeon. Um, usually fairly cost prohibitive. Uh, that's uh, unfortunately the, the thing that goes with that amount of quality. Um, but they're looking to put out something that is cheaper, fully painted, modular and can allow for uh setups that you usually can't get in that so so the, those warlock tiles look pretty impressive and i'm uh I'm looking forward to seeing those come out because of their affordability i can see a lot of people going through um and grabbing them because of that mm-hmm. um and the floor tiles are double-sided so on one side is the stone that you'd expect from most dungeons but on the flip side is uh wood so you have wood floors and everything like that so, so kind of a Town town mode versus dungeon mode. Yeah, because they're like, we're wasting the bottom side of these tiles if we don't do something with them. So that's what they ended up doing. Very so. smart. Um, kind of in that same D&D RPG news, uh, I was sitting in the Gale Force 9 seminar. Um, they're the ones who are kind of in charge of translation of mm. uh, Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition into other countries. Right now they have uh, five uh, different languages that they go into. Uh, as of today, they're expanding this year into four new ones. So uh, Russia, Brazil, Korea, and Poland are all going to get translation into localized languages. But one of the things that, um, since they're a licensing partner of Wizards of the Coast, they actually, Wizards and them kind of came to a terms and agreement. Uh, when they put out those blind boxes for like the Mad Mage module and things like that, where you can get the minis painted for the characters that are in there. Mm-hmm. Mad Mage, for example, came out, what was it, three months after the module actually was published? Mm-hmm. Not when you need it, but like three months later. And then then unless you're, if you're running it right away, now you don't get it. So they came to terms and they're actually going to be publishing those almost uh, very close together, if not exactly at the side. same time. So mm-hmm. your blind box meetings will come out when the module comes out at the same time. Nice. Same thing with like their maps and stuff that they do for it. So mm. that's very exciting because um, that's when you need it. Mm. Uh, then they are also the ones that do all the uh, like spell reference cards. Mm-hmm. They're going into the Volos cards and the Tome of Foes. So they're kind mm-hmm. of rounding out the rest of the ones that they haven't hit yet. But then they're also going to be doing epic monsters and legendary magic items, which will be on like five by five cards. They're huge. But that's how you get like the Tarask and you get your deck of many things. The things that have like two pages dedicated to them in the books because mm-hmm. that's how complex they are. They had to find a way to, you know, make a Condense bigger card them. to be able to do it properly. So those will be coming out and and that'll kind of round it out and they'll just kind of keep up as things come up now. Yeah. Now, speaking of translations, uh, one I kind of fanboyed over was... Uh, a company called Our Talzorian Games. Uh, they're the ones that do the Cyberpunk 2020 mm-hmm. RPG. Uh, they've been around for quite some time, um, and they had a table set up during one of the game nights, and so I got to go over there and speak to Mike Pondsmith, who's uh, you know a big part of what they do and, and everything there. Yeah, and they cool. had a great demo set up for the video game that's coming out from the makers of The Witcher, CD Projekt Red. Um, and it was great seeing that, and then sitting there chatting with them, they were sharing stories, and... Um, one of the uh, one of the members of that that team, she came over and she was explaining. She's like, "Hey, did you ever hear why they they, they decided on Cyberpunk as their next project?" And I'm like, "No." So she turns to me and she's like, "Well, at one point I decided to greenlight a Polish translation of our system, and it ends up being that these guys at CD Projekt Red played it when they were in high school, and fell in love with the system. So when they had a chance to do the next thing beyond The Witcher. 
um, they decided cyberpunk was their thing, and that's the whole reason that 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 collaboration awesome. happened. So right, it they was re- great. To see. They specifically so reached, great. yeah, they specifically reached out to Mike Pondsmith and went, "Hey, can you come to to Boland? Uh, we want to talk to you." And he was, and like I talked to him, and he was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll go." And then that's where they kind of pitched him, and he, he saw what they did with the Witcher series, and went, "These guys are passionate. They care about my my product. Mm-hmm. Let's do it." So, um, when the like I've been watching the cyberpunk videos as they've been coming out. I know Tony, you've been excited since essentially like they announced it at E3 a couple of years ago, and then went silent. Five years ago, because it's been five years I just already? got it on my Facebook as a reminder that I set my <laughs> wallpaper or whatever it's called. Uh, my profile image to the cyberpunk profile image. So, so right. yeah, the trailer came out five years ago. That was just a, a teaser. Had a song, uh, Bullets. I can't remember who the artist is. Right. I downloaded the song because I listened to it, to it so much. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no. To say I was excited is uh, is probably a bit of an understatement. But then, so. you know, as a fan, mm-hmm. you know they went completely dark. We didn't hear about it for like a couple years. And then mm-hmm. um, just last year they did the the. Uh, the big press release with like a 48 minute trailer gameplay footage mm-hmm. behind closed doors. Then they like a month, it's like a month later they released it publicly and this thing is just gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and you see really what they're doing with it. And that's the scary thing of like, these guys are passionate, they care. And to, to not have faith in them was kind of weird. Cause it was like this, okay, they did the Witcher really good. CD project Red knows what they're doing. Mm. And then there was like the, that moment of doubt always, like, oh, it's cyberpunk. Like, and now learning that they grew up playing this game, so mm. they care about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you get like the creator of cyberpunk kind of like in your corner going, these guys are, I have faith in them, kind of reassured me. It's like, no, this is going to be a great game. Whenever it comes out, it comes out. I'm not going to rush that. Yeah, and they're collaborating as well because the original RPG is called Cyberpunk 2020. Set, um, I guess, uh, next year now at this point. <laughs> right, next um, year. But Cyberpunk. the new video game is 2077. So they're working extensively with each other to world build and fill in that gap. And mm-hmm. that's going to be a focus for release of modules and things like that to uh, fill in. And important characters in the 2077 universe are going to be developed uh, in collaboration with Mike Pondsmith and the team. So Yeah, that's um, awesome. Mike specifically was telling me how he had to fill the void and create a disto- uh, break industry and create a like global war without spend without being able to send the world into a dystopian future, something mm-hmm. that they had to recover. So um, he ends up targeting shipping and distribution and trade. So like ships on the ocean are lost, stolen, missing for like years, and like trade routes are disrupted which sends mm. the whole world into chaos. Recoverable mm. eventually over time, but not to the point where it's a complete dystopian Mad Max verse, but mm. where yeah. a lot of stuff went down and a lot of corporations uh, get at each other's throats during, I think it's the fourth corporate war, I mm. think he called it. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, I don't remember the specific details on it, but yeah, it yeah. sounds like he put a lot of thought into it. Um, yep. It's also worth noting that our Talzorian Games is also the one that will be doing the Witcher RPG. Um, so yep. those of you who are looking to do more role-playing in the Witcher universe will be able to pick that up from them and uh, and jump into that world as well. And the book is a beautiful book. So I, uh, Yeah, the core book's already out. It, so. yep. And then they're working on the Witcher's Journal to expand more lore and more, more stuff into the universe mm-hmm. as kind of the next release for it. So mm-hmm. it's exciting. Yep. I like it. So Awesome. So the uh, last thing I have to ask is I heard a rumor that Star Wars, uh, what was it, Outpost, hold on. Are you talking Outer Rim? Outer Rim, there we go. Yeah. Star Wars Outer Rim was there. Did you guys take a look at that at all? The box was there. Yeah, a mock-up of the box. Which the yeah. box looked cool? The box looked great. Yeah. Okay. They did a presentation uh, about it. And they said that they are taking the storytelling aspect from, like, say, the Arkham games, uh, the board games and everything, and they're bringing it to the Star Wars universe. They said that they've gotten the miniatures down, they got the simulations down. This is the one thing that they really haven't done with the Star Wars universe, and that's that's what their focus is on this one. And it looks great. It looks like it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Mm -hmm. 
especially uh, with some of the stories that you'll, you'll be able to tell once you've you finished the games and you sh- you're telling other people about what happened. So. Right, and then they did stress that there's going to be not only the solo mode of in it, so mm-hmm. you can actually play just by yourself, but they also are going to build in some replay, uh, replayability too with how the scenarios and stuff are going to work to where once you've played it, you don't aren't necessarily bored with it. I'm pretty excited for that solo, solo mode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Solo, Han. Solo, solo squared. <laughs> so lots of interesting things coming up. Um, only other one that I thought that was kind of neat is um, Plaid Hat Games has their next storybook game. So they had Stuffed Fables and then they had Coma Knots, which used that like spiral bound board game book where like you open it up, you play on the book itself because the map mm-hmm. and you have a scenario on it. The next one's going to be Quirky Circuits which is a co-op <laughs> robot programming game. It is um, The Mind, which is a Pandasaurus card game, mm-hmm. meets Robo Rally. So you can't... Mm. And so Robo Rally is that classic um, game where we're trying to race around different checkpoints in there and we play action cards and we all flip them one at a time to figure out what our robots are doing. Mm-hmm. So you get that action programming mechanic there. But this is going to be a co-op game Um where the mind, you're trying to organize cards in a sequence without without, saying without talking yeah. to each other or communicating. So combine those two elements of now we're cooperatively programming this robot, but we can't talk about how we're programming this robot. So we have to, the scenario one was a, uh, you're like a Roomba, mm. and you're trying to clean up dust bunnies. Like very basic, but now add the mechanic of we're all controlling the robot together, and... The fact that we can't talk about how we're going to control the robot together is going to be interesting and fun to play. 26 different scenarios I think they're going to put in the oh, book. Wow. So lots of actions, and you get more robots, so it's not just a Roomba the entire time. And then for those of you who are miniature war gamers, um, there's an interesting one that I'm looking up more information on, but they're called Conquest mm. uh, by Parabellum Games. Uh, so miniature pretty. display they had there were just amazing miniatures. Um Interesting concept for a game. Uh, the rules are available for free from their website. Anybody who's going to Adepticon, uh, they will be there as well displayed. So definitely check them out and uh, and take a look. They're going to have two factions to start with, um, and then they're releasing two more factions supposedly by the end of the year. So um, that was definitely one that was impressive, and I had to make sure I sat down and chatted with them on. So Right. So it's uh, humans versus like abominations to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, faction three was going to be like fire magic dwarves, yeah, but not like your short Lord of the Rings dwarves, but like pro weightlifter dwarves. Uh, I, th- I thought more biker, <laughs> you, biker you th- build, biker build. build. Yeah, no, I can see that too. Yeah, instead of being short and stubby, they're they're, they're, they're just they're broad like, and broad, muscular. Um, and then the fourth faction is the one that like I like the aesthetic of. It was Vikings. Yeah. Mm. And then like their their heavier units are going to be like your ogres and your trolls and things of that nature. So, it the the models look very cool. Yeah, and the uh, the game concept is definitely unique. So it will be interesting to see how it actually plays out, um, because of the way you do your your faction building and everything like that, and your your action economy. So definitely an interesting game. Uh, definitely one I I recommend checking out and and seeing if nothing else for the models. So. So. Any other questions about Gamma? I think uh, you guys said everything. I mean, it all sounds like we're going to have a fun year coming up. Yeah. Um, I think we're all going to Gen Con, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, hopefully we'll start seeing some of the stuff that you guys saw today. Or not today. This, this, this past, past week. week. Yeah. And we'll start seeing some of that stuff out there, be able to get hands-on with some of it. A lot is going to be launching at Gen Con. Yeah. Um, like that Unmatched game, I think they're targeting Gen Con release. So. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some cool stuff going on, and it'll be a fun year. Yeah, definitely a lot of good things to look forward to. A lot of new things being done, which is great to see as well, um, as well as you know, uh, building on established franchises. So we're, we're excited to see what's coming up. And, uh, and again, uh, just to emphasize, uh, Mondo Entertainment looks like they're doing some interesting things too. So keep your eye on that space. Uh, that will yes. definitely be exciting. So. so I'm going to be reaching out to them directly and seeing what I can information i can get or see if we can maybe line up an interviewer with them or something i want to do something yeah. and see what we can do That'd be awesome. um i had a good long conversation with crafty games too 
Mm. Um, so we'll see if we can reach out to them and, and get some of them on the show because they did the uh, Mistborn House War uh, Kickstarter as mm-hmm. well as they do the Mistborn RPG. And the new expansion for the game is supposed to come out this year. This is something that's been struggling to come out and they and talking with them I had some really interesting conversations around that expansion um, and and some of the challenges and hurdles that they had on the development side and I think that's going to be a great conversation to have of mm-hmm. you know when you have this Kickstarter you backed and then all of a sudden it's like a year two years after they said that it was supposed to come out and getting a little bit more like what sorts of things can happen in the development cycle yeah and then the other great announcement that we have is from Tabletop Arcanum is um, Brotherwise Games is sending us a copy of Call to Adventure to give away. So we are going to be doing a review on it uh, for our next episode. So mm-hmm. keep an eye on our Facebook. Uh, we will be posting the rules of the giveaway. And yeah, I know we're very excited. They're very excited to work with us um, and send us a copy to give to our listeners so yep and then i think that just about does it if anyone has anything else to say this ain't your grandma's gamma trade show you're right it isn't i've had worse you've definitely had worse it depends on when you hit the casino floor because i definitely (laughs) saw a few grandmas pulling the uh, (laughs) one-armed bandit so (laughs) that, that, that is true um so I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you, Tony, for coming on and talking with Gamma with us. And as always, we do appreciate the feedback. And if you have any questions, definitely tabletoparcanum at gmail.com is how to reach us best. But we're also on Facebook and Instagram. And I think, Ricky, you're doing more Twittery stuff I'm going to be getting more on Twitter. So I'll, we'll put up our Twitter, Twitter, Twitter handle shortly. Cool. So that we can get everything covered. Excellent. Well, that does it for this episode. We'll talk about Call to Adventure and keep an eye open for that contest. Until next time, this is Justin. And this is Ricky, and I was hoping to have the the St. Year Grandma's Gamma be my outro, so I'm going to re-say that. And... Listening to Tabletop Arcanum, hosted by Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, and featuring the original music by Paul Moore and Isaac Gilbert. You can follow us on most social media platforms. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. As always, thanks for listening.